Hey, welcome to another edition of Right in the Nerds. Uh, we're kind of running on a smaller crew again here today, but with me, as as usual, is... Ray BG. And, of course, it's uh, Cody here, the one with the uneventful nickname. And today, yeah, we, are, uh, <laughs> we are coming at you with... Uh, yeah, kind of a topic we really decided on at the last second, but know quite a bit about. Uh, in fact, Rayshon's got some extra knowledge I don't because he's seen the series. But uh, which means nothing, guys. You're right. Because if you've seen that series, it means nothing. We're <laughs> gonna go with uh, what was it? Cyborg Jesus saves Detroit, otherwise known as RoboCop. Ooh, RoboCop. Yes, like it was. Uh, what, the original came out in 1987, wasn't it? I believe and that is correct, yes. It's listed as action sci-fi. And turned out to be one of the smartest action movies that I think we've ever had. I agree. I agree. And oddly enough, like, a lot of people overlooked the script so that eventually landed on Paul Verhoeven's lap. Yeah. And even he threw it in the trash the first time, but his wife supposedly dug it out and was like, I think you need to read this again. Because it has a lot going on. Okay. And he took a look at it and he's like, oh, no, you're right. Like, okay. <laughs> Which is clearly saying, yes, dear. Like, you know, if there ever was a time to say that. And also, this movie, Robocop, was... Um, the, the whole background, the whole storyline originated um, in, what, Detroit, Michigan? Yep. Mm-hmm. It was all about Detroit. It was a futuristic Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, it turned out to be somewhat mired in prophetic visions of what would come to pass in Detroit as well. <laughs> yeah, um, actually, yeah. I think I've heard I've heard people say that. Yeah. The the entire plot of the second movie is Detroit is on the verge of filing for bankruptcy, which happened, I believe, in twenty fourteen, right about. You know more than me on they, that. Yeah, they historically speaking, Detroit has filed for bankruptcy since and Robocop jumped on that first. The crime rate, of course, Skyrocket. Detroit has always been pretty high. Yeah, so it was a it was a perfect setting to set you know a unbeatable robot cop. Well, I guess he's not unbeatable, but he's pretty tough. Yeah, he's pretty pretty durable. Yeah. So, I guess you know where to jump in because obviously RoboCop started in '87 with the first movie, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, actually wound up. Kind of winning over critics, which is a weird thing for a movie that is staple, <laughs> whose staple is over the top violence and gore. Right. Um, you know. And it, it was a movie about, about you know a police force. Yeah. Um, police force um, in a time period where crime was accelerating in Detroit. Mm-hmm. You had this corporate. You talk about the corporations. Corporations taking all the power from oh, from the yeah. people. Like money, money in that in that movie was the representation of everything. You had money as a corporation; you could own people, you could own police forces. You could sort of similar what we got. Yeah, do. and clearly everything <clears throat> evil was a result of money in those movies. It was. It was. Uh. Yeah. I mean, what was it? RoboCop was supposed to be the perfect police officer. Mm-hmm. You know, his four. Well, sorry, three directives. Yeah. And, he overrid his fourth directive. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he overrode it. What was it? Serve the public trust, protect the innocent, and uphold the law. Yes. Which means he was purely running off a program. He could not be biased. He could not be, you know, right. preferential. He was just simply, that's a crime. I'm going to stop it. Except for the fourth directive. Oh, which yes. Which gave all OCP 
which I believe was the name of that Omnicore. Uh, you could not Omni Consumer Products. Om, Omni Consumer Products. You could not kill any <clears throat> um, OCP um, uh, director, or was it? It was uh, senior executive. Senior executive. So basically, anybody like VP level and above, as far as I know, right? That you could not arrest them right. without having permission from essentially the higher ups, right? Yeah. So I mean, he he was built to be the perfect cop, but. It was underhanded because if you were if you were like said a senior executive in OCP, you could not be touched. <laughs> yeah. So it, and he was a product of that company. Like he was quite literally a product that could never go defective on them. Right. So essentially, it gave them free license to get away with anything that they wanted to. Except the only problem was their candidate had an impeccable sense of justice. Yes. So, I mean, so we had this wonderful movie. This movie did also, because this is during the time of Nintendo, spawned a Nintendo game in RoboCop as well. Yep. Um, I think I think, the, I think the game came after RoboCop 2, because I remember I having so. to fight the um, the villain and, or the bad oh, guy in RoboCop 2. Kane. Kane, yeah. But, um, so yeah, I mean, like um, the Tooth Man said, I'm going to call him the Tooth Man. He likes to go by Cody, but we're going to call him the Tooth Man when I, when I speak about him today. <laughs> um, he... <laughs> He, um, like he said before, it won, this movie won one of the critics and it, it became popular enough to create a game, which again, like the movie was a little under, it was, it was an underdog run into any game, but it came out on, it's one of those classic games. Um, if you are a Nintendo geek, yeah. um, it never really, really respond. It never really spawned anything else new. Like, I mean, Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. all of those games, those are just, it's yeah. basically, it's a novel, it was a novelty game. Robocop did show up in Mortal Kombat 11. It did. Yep. So it is so, but as the Terminator, but I digress yeah. on that. But they they got the <laughs> and it spawned a remake in 2014, which we'll get to later. Um, I hate it, but it's uh, let's see. I mean, the first one though, they they played around with a lot. They played around with satire of the day. They did. Uh, you know, it's not only that satire that still hangs true today about. American consumerism, and and don't forget Coke. Coke, um, yeah, Coke was the the prime drug back during that time period when this movie came out, mm-hmm. and they made sure that Coke was everywhere in this movie. Like the executives in OCP would do it, the bad guy drug, did, the bad guy gangsters w- was doing it. There were cops doing. I mean, oh, and hookers. Yeah. They also had a lot of things dealing with hookers at the time because that again in the eighties was a big was a big topic. Yeah, so I mean, they they took all the crime ec- epidemics of the day that they could think of and stuffed them into one movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and even at that, Detroit is kind of depicted more like the Wild West. It was, I yeah. agree. Uh, which, it was the Wild Industrial West, basically. Thankfully, we never hit that point in real life. Um, <laughs> you know, the luckily RoboCop is a dystopian future that, while some elements of it kind of carried into the present day, luckily we never got there. Well, I don't know because it yeah. So I think there are elements of it that were dystopian. I mean, you had the suburb; they clearly showed you the structure of modern society. You had the suburbs, mm-hmm. you had the city, because as you know, if you watched the original movie, Murphy lived in the suburbs with his wife before he became Robocop. Right. And then the city is where he worked, which it showed with all the crime, everything, and so it showed you the the dynamics of of how. Communities were broken up. Were broken up. It didn't really pound it, but you understood if you saw, hey, this is where the crime is. It's in the city. Oh, this is where the um, 
where it's sort of no crime at because it's a beautiful neighborhood. It's the suburbs. The only thing you didn't see was the country because, of course, this is RoboCop, not Robo Farms. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then you also got to see, um, like, the industrial zones, um, which is another indication of being a big city. Um, if you live in a big city, you know that you have, like, you have, like, a lot of industrial parks. And those only thing that's in those industrial parks are basically um, big pylons uh, for industry and a lot of... Um, transportation things for logistics so mm-hmm. you saw a lot of that oh yeah I and mean, it it covered yeah a lot of ground in a lot of different ways turned out to be really smart really clever uh and had a little bit of something for everybody what was it rosa in brooklyn 99 just like robocop's the best cop movie ever just like <laughs> it's got everything gratuitous violence yes and then she just stops there and they're just like and, and she goes no that's it <laughs> there you go so <laughs> So you get kind of introduced to that that Detroit that <clears throat> basically says crime is out of control, like the cops are run by OCP somehow for some kind of government contract. And yes. they're basically given, when the police sign up to police Detroit as part of OCP's police force, they literally sign a waiver that gives OCP the rights to do whatever they want with their body yes. if they should die in the line of duty. That is true. Which, you know... I guess worked out in at least one way because that's how we get our main character there. But it also shows you the level of kind of consumerist corporate satire that this movie runs on too. Correct. That is, that's all true. It's that kind of cynicism that, yeah, like these guys are just going to do whatever they want because they have all the money. They have all the power. They're even more powerful than the local government. Yes. You know, like obviously if OCP would threaten to pull out of Detroit, then, yeah, the mayor would bend over backwards to give them whatever they wanted to keep all those jobs there. Like, and, you know, yeah, it's just heavily influenced by... Yeah. And, and if you pay attention, if you if you watch the movie and you paid attention to our our near history of, um, corp- of well, I'm going to say corporations, but I probably should say corporations, but government um, beefing up our police forces with um, different new weapons, different new tools... And RoboCop, the corporations, OCP did that. If you notice, OCP, all the latest uh, weaponry, um, the, the police, the police force got from OCP, um, all the newer, all their their vehicles, their um, security, and everything was all furnished by OCP. And I mean, this is stuff that sort of what our government has done in real life um, with our police force. They we, they allowed um, weapons um, that normally you would consider. Um, military weapons, um, whether it's That's vehicles true. or or just anything. I mean, it's, I mean, by the end of that movie, the cops are using heavy machine guns. Yes, they are. Yeah, they're they're, they're using armor piercers, like right. They've got like anti tank weaponry. There you go. Like they're they're way overpowered. And now that you <clears> mentioned <throat> that even the Ed two hundred nine, they're basically trying to give the cops their own Metal Gear. Yes, or are trying to use mechanization to override their workforce. Yes. So Which I think, I mean, that's an, I, mechanization, I think, is an awesome idea because they have with other movies that you've grown up with, um, um, you've seen that whenever they talk about using robots um, for police coverage, it all goes back to RoboCop. I mean, RoboCop basically put that out there. <laughs> I mean, essentially, like, they're trying to get, uh, which the Ed 209 has one fatal flaw, stairs. <laughs> like, it, it can't do stairs. <laughs> yeah. 
and apparently has a pre-programmed pig squeal whenever it I falls know, that over. That was always weird when I saw that. Really, and bizarre. it sounded like a an agitated pig as it, if it falls when it toppled over and everything. Yeah, it's weird. I, so I guess <clears throat> after you get this kind of overview of Detroit, and uh, I think it starts off in the boardroom, doesn't it, when they're trying to introduce the Ed Two Hundred Nine? Yes, and. Uh, what was it? An executive gets gunned down in the meeting by yeah. a malfunctioning Ed 209 that can't tell that the guy dropped the fake gun they handed him. Right. And the guy in charge of its, you know, uh, of overseeing this project gets confronted by the CEO and he goes, look, it's just a temporary glitch. Is like that dude got shot to pieces. And one of the Biggest fountains of blood I've ever seen in a movie <laughs> outside of the wall scene in Evil Dead. Hey, it was pretty graphic, man. Yeah. I agree. So, and, and he just overrides it as the glitch. Like, these guys clearly don't care. They're climbing the corporate ladder. Their pursuit is the love of green. So, meaning they don't care about the human lives below them. So, you have that, you know, right off the bat, you're getting the idea, like, it's not just this company that's evil these people have no morals because they really are just making sure that their profile continues to rise. Right. And at the very least, for all I know, he chose that guy because he was direct competition. They never say that in the movie. But right. You could almost assume. More than likely he was. Yeah. Know? Because, I mean, like I said, Coke being the mainstay in this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. God. Although, it, you know, so after we get through that boardroom, wherever the CEO is just like, I want you to fix this. Not, you know, not you call that guy's family and tell them this was a glitch, you moron. You're running cops, I believe. That was running cops. It so was. It was Dick Jones, so. Yep. So, you know. Awesome the, actor, by the way. Yeah, the CEO, he, he doesn't even, you know, he's like, you call this a glitch? And then he just tells him, like, I want this fixed. Actually, it's not, yeah. Actually, I aired in that. Ronnie was... Um, oh, yeah, Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox was one of the executives. Like, he was a senior executive, but he wasn't the CEO. He was the older guy. Yeah, the old man is the CEO. I think they only call him the old man. It, maybe that's what it was. I don't... It's, it's, been, it's been a minute. <laughs> so, I was trying to find his name. Um, I don't have his name up, front, up in front of me right now, so... So, yeah. then we move into... I guess this is where you get your first introduction of the actual police station. Is which comes up next, which is when, uh, you know, our hero, Peter Weller, or uh, Alex Murphy. Yes, Alex Murphy. Uh, is transferring his first day. Uh, tells, you know, Sergeant Reed, like, here, transferring from You're Metro right, South. Man, that's what they call him, the old man. Yeah. And then uh, poor Sergeant Reed's like, why on earth would you ever transfer here? Yeah, he did say that. And I think, I think um, Alex was tired. I think in the previous precinct, it was like, it was basically patrolling where he lived. There was no crime. Yeah. And he was sort of the cow. He was actually sort of a cowboy. Um, they made, they gave you a portrayal of his character being like a cowboy, wanting to get out there in, in, in the thick of things. Yeah. Wanting to be able to feel that his, what he did was serving a purpose. Because basically, he, he where his previous beat was pretty, was, I guess, a walk in the park. Oh, yeah. Like, and, <laughs> and somehow he transfers himself into the most dangerous precinct on planet Earth. Yeah. Um, is the Thunderdome. <laughs> where where public enemy number one is Red Foreman from that 70s show. <laughs> yeah. Clarence Boddicker. Which, yes. by the way, hell of a villain name, Clarence. 
Like, it just doesn't seem that intimidating. But, of course, he has his crew, you know. Yeah. He was portrayed by, what, Kurt Woodsmith? Yep. Yep. In in case you guys are not following, we're talking about the Peter Weller version. We're not talking about the new guy. Yeah. Not yet. Oh, we got plenty to talk about there. (laughs) But, yeah, um, Kurt Woodsmith played Clarence on Boniger, which, like you said, that's that's a mouthful. (laughs) Yeah. So this guy's supposed to be public enemy number one. He's knocking off banks. He's doing all this. But you find out later that part of the reason why he's so successful is that he's also partly being funded by OCP. So they're funding the cops and the criminals. It's a never-ending cycle. Like, they're getting paid no matter what. Right, they're doing that to keep themselves in business. It is the absolute crappiest morals out of, you know, any corporate structure known to man which well, that makes you also think too obviously there's a mayor or somebody or, or, or a senator that owns that city you would think that someone would put would put two and two together and uh either they're ignoring it or well think about what dick jones says later in the movie though whenever he's just like we're gonna need some heavy firepower clarence tells dick jones that and he just goes we practically are the military true and i'm like okay true. so they've got everything in their pocket there you go <laughs> like they, you know, they own the city. They probably own a good deal of senators. Yes. Uh, you know, like it, it's showing you how they're using their money to corrupt their influence all the way to the top. Right. To the point where they're quite literally playing with people's lives and don't care. Right. So you have, uh, you have that like Alex Murphy. Unfortunately for him, is he gets caught up in this horrible rat trap. Um, now, he does get introduced to his partner very early on, thankfully, Ann Lewis. Ann Lewis, yep. Who is badass. Yeah, she was awesome. Yeah, like the first time you see her, she's absolutely knocking the crap out of some dude who tries to escape custody. Yep. And that's after she gets decked in the face by him. She just gets right back up and, like, delivers a roundhouse to his gut. Yeah. Like, she's... Like, what? Martial arts in the, in the 80s film? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Surprised ninjas didn't show up. They, I know, right? It, that was a big thing. But she absolutely kicks the crap out of the dude and then kind of introduces herself, you know, like she clearly she's the like grizzled veteran, even though I'm pretty sure she's younger than Murphy. Yeah. But I mean, she's been doing she's been in this police force, it seems like, from the beginning of her career. So, oh, yeah, understands how mean the streets are. That particular precinct makes it seem like you're going to age like a president. There you go. Like you're just going to quickly. Yeah. You're (laughs) you're going downhill fast. Like. (laughs) Um, but it also just makes you tough as nails too. Yeah. So. And, and ironically in this, in this, um, there were even certain parts of the town where the cops wouldn't go to, even in this, like there were, um, I think, um, when Murphy, when, when Alex Murphy got gunned down, they actually hesitated before they went there oh. to make sure it was an actual cop before yeah. they went there to try to save him. So, yeah, they're... that's true. <clears throat> no, that's 100% true because when they first, I mean, we're actually, we'll just jump straight to that because the rest of what happens, Alex Murphy and Lewis, they bond a little bit only to realize that Murphy has this cool gun twirl trick that he right. can do that he did, that he learned. So gun that way, like I say, he's a cowboy. Yeah, he, <laughs> he learned it for his son who really loved the show called TJ Laser. Yes, TJ uh, Laser. And oh that's what God. the character always did in the show. Yeah. So they get a call about Clarence Boddicker robbing a bank and they go after him. And after they, uh, lose trail whenever Clarence throws one of his injured associates through their windshield uh, from the back of the van they're chasing him in. 
they they go to this abandoned steel mill, and that's when Murphy and Lewis go, and they find him there. They confront him there, um, which they they radio for backup. Right. No one's available. Exactly. Like nobody's <laughs> coming. And what do they do? But it's like what five on two. Let's go for it. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, Lewis gets incapacitated. Yeah, she may be tough as nails, but she's still human. <laughs> yeah, she gets distracted by a guy because she's letting him compose himself while he's peeing. Right. Um, that's what happens to her. Wasn't Luckily, that, wasn't the, the guy that ends up getting really sloppy? I, no, no, that was... Um, he's the one with that weird hyena laugh. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> kind of, yeah, Similar, actually. Not quite. It's like a cackle. I don't really know how to describe it. Right. I All I know is it was kind of funny to watch him with that explosive weapon later, just oh, cackling yeah. like crazy while he's blowing up shops on, you know, <laughs> in the middle of the street during a riot. He doesn't care. No, he's crazy. Yeah, he was devil may care. He was great. However, uh, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, so most violent death in movie history coming up. Uh Murphy finds Emil, the guy who later becomes the Toxic Avenger. There we go. Uh, yeah, that guy. The uh, He finds him sitting on a couch, and they're both watching TV, yep. which is always the same television program in every RoboCop movie, except for the remake, because even they can <laughs> screw that up, which was the that guy. I don't know what... I don't know the best way to describe him. All I know is he just had a really thick mustache and a monocle and some crazy suit on and would always use the phrase, I'd buy that yeah, for a dollar. Which, by the way, was a trademark phrase. That was actually, <laughs> in that time period, pretty popular saying that. And um, what was it? It was, in, was one other that I'll think of later and I'll probably bring it back up. But the, I'll buy that for a dollar was awesome. Oh, yeah. Like it, I'll buy that for a dollar. It was, it was pretty incredible. So... Basically, Murphy lining up with his also Wild West, really badass like catchphrase, uh, pulls a gun on the guys and says, "Dead or alive, you're, you're coming, coming with, with me. me." Which is another iconic phrase, right? Which yep. is pretty awesome. Uh, until the other guys show up, and now he's surrounded. So Clarence uh, pushes him down to the floor and blows off his hand first, yep. and then uh, that's when the terrible taunting begins. Yeah. Whenever the one guy with the hyena cackle, I I'll have to look up. I'll have to look up his name because it's gonna bother me until we figure it out. Because I'm wanting to say Leon, but I'm pretty sure that's Ray Wise's character. Yeah, it is Ray Wise's character. Leon is. Yeah. Um, I'll find him in a sec. Which is actually disappointing that the the dude with a laugh that good, like it's actually kind of Joker esque in a way. But was, uh, it, was it this guy? Yes. What was his name? Oh, Joe Cox. Okay. Wow. Should have given him a better name. Leon's a cool name. Yeah, he should have been Leon. But yeah, no. Actually, he should have, yeah. Hell. All right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the guy starts making fun of him. He's like, oh, does it hurt? And then Clarence decides to kick off the 50-plus round shotgun, shotgun blast yes, into, into Murphy yes. by saying, give the man a hand. Yep. Yeah, so they shoot him like... And I'm not kidding here. It's like a minute and a half long of the movie where they just keep repeatedly Blasting. shooting him. Yes. That's yeah. pretty violent. Yeah. That's pretty violent, death. And blow off his arm in the process. Yes. Yeah. So uh, they do that. And finally, Clarence shoots him in the head because somehow he's still alive after they finish it he off. He had the will to live. He wanted to go see his wife and his son still. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
at that point, though, like, damn, man. Yeah, he's somehow still alive (laughs) until they get him to the hospital, even after getting shot in the head, though. Yeah, Yeah. and he finally codes when they get him in the hospital. Right. Yes. Which sort of brings me to my plot point here. So in RoboCop, in order to in order to harvest a cyborg, you have, they had to have a complete spinal, um, well at least a brain stem. Hmm. He got shot so many times. I don't know how any part of that survived with the from, from the shotgun blast. I mean, it was definitely his brain that yes. survived. It was his brain, his brain stem that survived, and I think his heart. Yeah. Or they had something there pumping for his heart. I know his like lungs that. were artificial. Yeah. But yeah. Because because he has to eat some kind of like weird baby food mixture kind yeah. of paste or whatever to keep his organic systems functioning, right. as they put it. Which, yeah, let's just say, there's nothing left. After that many shotgun shots? And no. Well, he's done. Unless they were using birdshot, and why? Like, that's they're better criminals than that, let's face it. You know? They, <laughs> they're questionable. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I mean... So that's when you get the whole RoboCop montage whenever. Oh, yeah, because I forgot. Bob, after the one executive gets gunned down in the middle of that board meeting in the beginning, Bob uses his opportunity to pitch the RoboCop program. You know, we forgot to mention, before Clarence told give the man a hand, he made sure to snort some coke. I got to mention, coke is used in this movie. That's true. This was the 80s. <laughs> this was the 80s. Like, let's just be clear. Like, the era of Duran Duran acid wash jeans and a Coke problem that <laughs> caught Hollywood by storm. Like, it was a... Uh, yeah. That's the reoccurring theme in this whole in this whole movie in the, in the 80s. Coke. Okay? Yes. I'm not just saying this just to say it, that's a reoccurring theme. Well, I mean, throughout <laughs> this movie, and actually a ton of movies in the 80s, it was... Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's that's what it was. So, yeah, what was it? Corporate greed, cocaine, um, and really bizarre Jesus parallels throughout yeah. this movie. Yeah, no, there, um, there were there were a lot of resurrection, um, savior, messiah. Yeah, there was a lot of that in this movie. Yeah, and that's kind of where we start to get into those because Murphy is now undergoing the transformation into RoboCop. Seen over the course of time from the random points that he wakes up, I guess, when they turn him on throughout the process. Right. Um, and, of course, Lewis, um, she did somehow manage to get back to her car. I think she's the one that got the ambulance there, if I'm not. Yeah, I'm not she finds like, she finds what's left of Murphy. Right. Um, and she's, you know, she's injured, but, you know, she's pulled herself together. And she's with him at the hospital. I don't know if, if did they ever show his wife or anything come to the hospital? Or no, they didn't. Uh, they you don't see his wife again until the second movie or sorry flashbacks in the first movie, and then the second movie the second they, movie they incorporated the wife into it okay. yeah um so yeah so she's there and I think Murph I think um Lewis was the last person he saw before he he coded and then um the next thing you know of course he's being put together and there's a flash on the screen you see his, his eyes it's the eye view of him opening his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then there's code you see as they're programmed directives and yeah. his reboot parameters and all that stuff. And then it's shut down again. And then you see another flash and take yeah. it. Oh yeah, like you see <clears throat> the other flashes, and then finally it comes time for the big unveiling of Robocop, which actually has a really interesting aspect to it because Sergeant Reed is like, What the hell are you doing in my precinct to the OCP guys? 
And Bob, the guy who's heading the RoboCop program, looks at him. He goes, this is OCP business, so get lost. Right. Even though it's happening in the police station, right. it involves a cop who's supposed to be helping them. Like, quite literally, it's very one of those, like, this is on a need-to-know basis. So this could really help you with your job, but your pay grade's too low. Yeah. Um, and also to mention, when RoboCop unveils himself for the first time, and they do that car key throw to him. Right. That took 10 hours to film. Oh, wow. Because it was so hard for him to move in that suit. I bet. He couldn't catch the keys, and they finally, he almost quit. This is like one of the first days of filming. Oh, wow. He almost quit, and they decided, uh, the guy who I think helped design the suit, uh, who is also a little bit of kind of like an acting coach kind of guy, he showed Peter Weller this film of a mime. Okay. And that's what he based his movements off of was a mime after that, how deliberate everything had to be. Right. And it wound up helping his mobility in the suit. So they I were can able. I see that. Yeah. I, uh, makes you understand why he was all like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Like it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Absolutely perfect way to incorporate that kind of robotic lifelessness. But it's also where you start to notice the subtle little things they do in the movie right. to show you his metamorphosis. Right. So he's very robotic. When he first comes out, his voice sounds like it has a metallic echo kind of, you know, very robot voice. Yeah, it's very rough, rough voice, yeah. Um, and, you know, he goes out on his first patrols and they show you the stuff he's able to do, which is actually arguably pretty questionable. But when you look at the Wild West setting they put it in, it right. puts it in more perspective. Like, if he was a cop in regular days, he would be very quickly, you would hope, uh, at the very least, investigated for what the hell he was actually doing. And so also, um, RoboCop, um, give him his specs, he um, had his visor, which was which um, also turned out to be like a, um, was it microscopic? Or was that, did it, were those yeah, implants? Well, um, I don't know. Can you like zoom in with his goggles versus his I think he could because he could pick focal points yeah. on how to. Because don't they show him like ricocheting a bullet yes, into somebody? He does. And then he's able to aim through that lady's dress right. in the gap, like to shoot that guy who that was. was awesome yeah. Yes. To ah. shoot to shoot that guy who was holding the knife to her throat to incapacitate him. Yeah. yeah like he incapacitated him. That dude would never reproduce. Anyways. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Not to mention, let's just put they equipped that dude with it. Auto-firing hand cannon. Yes, it was like, an awesome cannon. I'm pretty sure that thing would make a desert eagle look like a toy. Yes, that, like, that, his sidearm was one of the better sci-fi um, weapons I've seen that anybody has had. I mean, you can compare that to Star Trek's phaser. Um, probably even, it's, it's even cooler because it's a projectile. Yeah. I mean, that that thing, could, it was armor-piercing. Mm-hmm. Um it was basically everything. And then the fact that um, his holster, and he, he had a holster that popped out of the side of his leg. Yeah. And then, of course, like um, the tooth man mentioned earlier, he would always do that little... Um, the TJ laser The TJ spin. laser um, thing and then put it back in. That was awesome. Which is how Lewis first recognizes him. Yes. Because, um, yeah, he still had the mask on at the time. Yeah. So he goes out on his first <clears throat> patrols. Everything's going okay. He goes back to the station one day. Because it, it's not really clear how much time passes during this sequence of events. And he has to recharge, too. So Yeah, and he has to recharge and eat his baby food. And, and they wipe his mind of certain events to keep him under control. So Yeah, but he has a nightmare yes. about his 
very grisly murder uh, before he gets up and he walks out. And that's when Lewis finally hits him with that truth bomb of like, Murphy, it's you. And he's like, freezes him dead in his tracks. And he kind of freaks out for a second before he gains his programming and composure back and goes out. Well, it was his programming that kicked in because, it, like I said before, whenever he goes to recharge, they also do mind wipes. Yeah. Or they did mind wipes on him to keep him under control. And part of the directives, the sub the subroutines were um, any emotional triggers, it would um, put him in a, a face, you know, make him right. react and either it would t- make him go to recharge or they did some other craziness. Because it's right after she says that that he goes to the records room and yeah. looks up. <laughs> I love that. Looks up Murphy with that huge data spike in yes. his hand. That thing is. Which Star th- Trek stole for the board, by the way. Just let y'all know that. They did. <laughs> wow. Okay. I so, mean, it was they didn't use the same yeah. apparatus, but it was the same concept. You so, jab the little metal thing in, um, move his wrist, access the data, and arguably they kind of took from Star Wars. True. That is true. I forgot. R- he video. very much R two D two. R two D two. Yeah. So he um he figures out who all. Clarence's associates are. And he goes in for a personal manhunt. Which he only finds one before the manhunt goes completely sideways, um, which is Emil, the guy yes. who later becomes all, uh, you know. Acetate. It, he was dissolved. Yeah. Called him the sloppy man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Very Turns into the Crypt Keeper later. That's That's exactly, um, that's, that's perfect, right? That the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> so he, uh, he finds, you know, he finds a meal. They have that brief moment where as soon as he says dead or alive, you're coming with me. Right. Clearly, he's retained something from his old life. Yes. And Emil freaks out. He's just like, you're we dead. Killed you, we man. killed you. We killed you, man. We killed you. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah you're yeah. seeing you're seeing RoboCop, you know, like he's made out of titanium. Emil's trying to shoot him. Yeah. It's not working out. So he blows up the gas station. Still doesn't work. Trying to escape, yeah. Uh, he catches Emil, throws him in prison. Um, yeah. After he makes his motorcycle crash into a car, and I mean, really, that that crash should have killed him. Like they you really see, the, have. he flips over that. Yeah, it's pretty vicious. Um, and the so the thing that I like too about RoboCop is where did they get? Where did OCP get this this technology from? And this armor, it was no bulletproof. Idea. Basically, with conventional weapons, it had it wasn't armor piercing proof, which that comes in play later. Yeah. Um, also, he had these um, fingers and these feet that were made out of this material. I think he was like what a ton. He probably weighed what a ton. Oh, or so. easily, yeah. And I mean, his hands were more bulletproof than his actual armor was, which was weird. Yeah. So I mean, where did OCP get this? And then the fact you're riding a regular police car. See, that's another plot hole they need to explain for me. Yeah. If he weighs about a ton, he gets in the car. I'm pretty sure it's not going to move very far, very fast. No, <laughs> I mean he's he's like the wow. He actually is the equivalent of Master Chief, really, from Halo. Yeah. Um, the Master Chief we had before Master Chief. Yeah. Good job, Bungie. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm trying to think because this is kind of because then he interrupts Clarence in the middle of a huge. I, I wouldn't say drug deal. Because it's a cocaine factory, it's a hostile takeover that Clarence is initiating. Right. Um, and when RoboCop busts into a group of like fifty people, and they all just open fire on him. Yes. And somehow the only people who survive 
or Clarence's crew. <laughs> I agree. But you get, that scene itself, though, was awesome because oh, that's yeah. when they displayed his targeting systems and how everything worked, that he, what they had showed to you before in practice. Oh, yeah. That was freaking awesome. I like seeing. I mean, he like pinpoint shooting people, like not even seeing people just shooting behind him. That was that gunplay was awesome, and that that was a good gunplay scene. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, you know, he's just walking through there like the tank he is, right? And he's just unstoppable. And then he has to resist his own urges for a second, yes, to kill Clarence. Instead, he throws him through like ten windows, right? <laughs> Which you know, the that's that's bad enough. Right. You know, he, he has to resist his own urges as he's choking him to death whenever he just says, you're a cop with one of his last breaths. And that's when he's like, yeah, you're right. Right. So I forgot before this, he actually goes to his old house. He does. He drives his old house. His wife and his kid are already have already left. Hmm. Um, he but they they left it. So it was weird. I don't know. They cleaned the house, but I think he had memories of things being left there. Or things yeah, he, his uh, memories would flash in front of him. Right. He, and he was getting more confused as the longer he was there. Right. And he was showing like... Visibly, he was having an emotional reaction. He was yeah, angry. To the point where he punches through the video screen of the realtor. Right. Just like, want to make an offer? Bam. Nope. <laughs> like... Which now, for that time, that was sort of prophetic technology because we know today we have that stuff now uh, yeah. where you have virtual realtors selling things. So I think that was awesome. I don't know if they had it then and or whether that was just a sci-fi thing they put in there at the time, but the fact that, that, that now we have virtual realtors oh, and yeah. they put that in a movie back in the 80s, that's freaking awesome. So, yeah, so after... <laughs> Which actually, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is whenever he takes Clarence back to the uh, precinct. Oh, yeah. When he arrests him and just, like, book him. What's the charge? He's a cop killer. And then Clarence just looks down at the book that they're getting ready to write his name in, and he spits blood on him and just goes, just give me my fucking phone call. Yeah. Like, yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah. It, watching it now, after seeing that 70s show, part of me is just like, you better give me my phone call or I'm going to put my foot in your ass. Like, you know, there's, I, I fully expect Red Foreman to come out at any time. Um, but that's when things really start to go haywire because then Clarence gets released by Dick Jones. He does. Uh, that's who his phone calls to. And Dick Jones is like, you're a moron. Like, why did you tell Robocop you worked for me? Right. I forgot to mention that uh, in between his gasps of air while he's choking, he says he works for Dick Jones at OCP. So he's like, he's a cyborg. He recorded all Everything, of that. Yes. He recorded, yes. Yeah. So it turns into. Yeah. Dick Jones. Yes. You're wanted for murder. In which yeah. Dick Jones just laughed. I was like, uh, oh, I okay. forgot because <laughs> they'd already killed Bob by that point. Yeah. Bob got killed. Yeah. Yep. Poor what, Bob. Shoots him, Clarence busts into his house, shoots him in the kneecaps, and then sets a grenade on the table yeah. that he can't get to. And Thermal grenade, by the way, again, ahead of its time. Plays a DVD. Yeah. Of, of Dick laughing. Yes, of Dick's pre-recorded message, but, you know, this is 87, so we didn't have DVD players yet. Exactly. But Bob did, because, well, he rich. There you go, OCP. Which, by the way, Bob, when he got killed, was having a huge coke orgy. party. And an orgy. Yes, and that also is true. <laughs> yes, having a huge orgy and coke party because once again, I'm just start, cocaine is almost as plentiful as snow in December in this movie. It is absolutely rife with it. Yes. Um, 
God. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Right. So RoboCop confronts Dick in his office, telling him he's wanted for murder, yada, yada. Or, you know, here, here's the point where, it, or where Directive 4 comes in. So you have RoboCop's three prime directives, hold the public trust, protect the innocent, and uphold the law. Or, sorry, serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law. And then Directive 4, as we mentioned earlier, can't arrest an OCP executive. Whoops. So RoboCop starts to shut down, and that's when uh, Dick Jones sicks the old Ed 209 on him. Yeah. And he, he proceeds to get the beat down. Yeah, apparently it also has a plasma cutter on it because yeah. it ruins his visor and right. his armor on his chest. Right. But, hey, we're talking about good old Alex Murphy slash RoboCop because his, his original, his human side is starting to shown through. So even though the... Nine, what was it? Was, was that robot again? T- Ed, Ed 209. Ed 209 was getting the better of him because he was confused for a little bit. Um, or he was technically shutting down. He somehow recovers and he's fighting back and he, he escapes. Yeah. It should also be noted at this time that every time RoboCop has a flashback of who he used to be prior to his horrible demise, um, his voice becomes less robotic. Yes, you're right about that. He starts to gradually the machine gets overridden by the man inside till eventually, you know, it's just clearly very much Peter Weller's voice with no kind of filter. Right. Um, and that's when you really start to get that whenever Lewis saves him from the under from the parking garage police ambush when he yes. escapes the Ed 209. Yes. Um, and that's yeah. And that's about this point, too, that the, the cops are going after Robo with. Well, they got military hardware. Oh yeah, they they, they have the armor piercer weapons. They have these big like they've got cannons. machine guns with drum magazines on them. Yes. Like they're they're going after it. Yes, they are. And so um, Murphy, oh sorry, Alex escapes. Um, he goes to the warehouse district. Yeah, and he basically goes there, and um, Lewis um, she follows him, or basically she she knows where he's going. She brings him the um, paste that he needs. And somehow managed to think that he might need a cordless power drill. There you go. She brings a cordless power drill. So he could take off his broken visor. There you go. Yeah. But um, I thought that was cool because she had to feed him, actually, because he couldn't feed himself because yeah. he was so damaged. And somehow this cyborg fixed himself where it took a whole team of OCP scientists to, to do you know reconstruct him. He somehow fixed himself. Mm-hmm. Um, repaired his body and everything, and he actually had to retrain his targeting system because he was so jacked up. Yeah, and that's what leads him to take the visor off. Right. Is, and this is the point when he basically is no longer just machine. He is 100% Alex Murphy. Yes, as and he overrides as, Director Ford. Yeah, as soon as that visor comes off, he is he's on his own. Like, he's back to himself. He's not dicking around with it. He's even responding to Murphy. Actually, I take that back. He didn't override Director no. Ford. It was the old man yeah. who told him yep. Director Ford no longer applies. <laughs> it's one of my favorite It's one of my favorite ways a bad guy goes out, actually. <laughs> so before we get to that, I'm sorry for spoiling that for I, I had a brain fart there and I remember no. no, that's not No, it's it's perfectly fine because <laughs> <clears throat> and once again, Joe gets screwed right off the bat. I know, poor Joe. Because as soon as they step out of the cars because they have a tracking device on Robo. Yes. As soon as he steps out, 
They're all looking around. You hear RoboCop go, looking for me, and then he shoots Joe. Leaves the rest of them to get in the car. Hey, the man laughed at him. I mean, to be fair, they were all... As he got his arm shot off. All of them were kind of laughing, but... They are the, yeah. the, uh But, you know, uh, Lewis intercepts one of them in her car and causes a meal to crash into the toxic waste. Yep, yeah. And, uh... You get that old gory scene of him melting. <laughs> yep, and then exploding on somebody's windshield, mm-hmm. which causes Clarence to crash and flip his car. Yep. Unintended consequences, right? Yep. Um, let's see. Did he stake Clarence, though? Like, with his data spike? Did he, like... Yeah. That and was this the was, best scene ever. That was after Leon somehow managed to, to escape the wrath of Lewis. Actually, Clarence shoots Lewis, like, three times. Yeah, yeah. And then Leon drops a ton of girders on him. Yeah. Like steel girders, that. yep. and that's how Clarence is able to pin him down and ram a beam through his chest. He did, yeah. But then, when he leans down to say "Sayonara, RoboCop," that's when Robo's like, "They spike." <laughs> yep, it was right awesome. in the jugular. In the jugular, and then you hear um, Kurt Kurtwood Smith's character Clarence just up there gurgling on his own blood yep. as he's dying. <laughs> so now you get. Well, before that, I guess when he's approaching Clarence, before the girders get dropped on him, uh-huh. the shot is filmed to make it look like he's walking on water. So you have another, uh-huh. you have another Christ parallel. Okay. So you have the death, the resurrection, and the miracles, kind I got of. You. Like they, he's very much supposed to be seen as a savior figure. I miss that. I got to go back and watch it now. Yeah. Just to see that. <laughs> yeah, they. It's done in the new movie. I, I no, <laughs> no, a lot of the metaphor symbolism and all that was dropped out of the new movie not to say they didn't try it first but after 15 minutes it just all went away um so yeah i mean that's basically the end of it he goes to confront dick jones one last time in the middle of a board meeting after he plays dick jones's confession to bob's murder yes on the view screen for everybody to see in their teleconference with his data spike uh, for some reason, Ronnie Cox, not realizing he still has the upper hand because of Directive 4, takes the old man hostage, mm-hmm. which leads to the proclamation of, Dick, you're fired. Which erased Directive 4 for Dick. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and that was, actually, that scene was awesome, too, because you see, as soon as he says that, Alex Murphy is like, okay, yeah. <laughs> game on. There is zero hesitation. He's <laughs> he's like Liam Neeson in Taken. He's going right for the throat chop. <laughs> and, you know, like it, but he shoots him and in the worst claymation ever, Dick Jones turns into Stretch Armstrong and falls out a window. That's the only bad part of that movie is just that weird little bit of claymation falling out a window. Right. Where Dick Jones's arms become roughly 10 feet long. I. <laughs> and then. The old man, I don't know if this was supposed to be some kind of sly, like, the old man was like, nice shooting, son, what's your name? Right. And then RoboCop goes, Murphy. I have no idea if that was the old man trying to figure out if their product was going rogue or or what it was. Well, he clearly knew at that point that this product was no longer technically, it was his product, but no longer his controlled product. Because yeah. you see that in, when they bring out RoboCop 2, which they went, went back and they basically dimmed some of his memories. Like, they made they reclaimed him in a sense. Yeah. RoboCop 2. Even though, I mean, we can just jump into RoboCop 2. 
Well, I'm, I'm just trying to slowly segue there. I know we're going to talk about it. I mean, we, we just hit the end of the first one. So. Yeah, we did. After Dick dies, it's the end. Basically. So with what we said about, like, the, the movie had intermittent commercials in it, too. Uh, first one for, like, making oh, fun of really terrible consumer products. Yeah. Like the, uh, what was it? It was the Ford 3000 SUX. Yes. That gets, like, six miles to the gallon <laughs> and has, like... Baby seal skin. See, it was ridiculous. It was the most ridiculous automobile ever. A leisure car yeah. that nobody should really want to have if they, you know, didn't have a good budget for gas at least. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, so, it definitely hit on that. I mean, come on. The, the movie was basic, basically around oh, Detroit. About, you know, that's. They also had a Cold War board game. I think it was called Nukem or yes, something like that. Yes. Because. They, 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 they didn't they. Marketed as a um, battleship. Yeah, it was kind of like battleship, but I just remember the kid going, "You've ignored our bilateral disarmament treaty for the last time," yes. and he hits like the DEFCON button, and all of a sudden, just yeah, yeah I remember that now. Yeah. So yeah, they were playing with everything from the Cold War to the yeah. I mean, like it was just satire at its finest. <laughs> you know, like. Overdone to where it can't possibly be believable, but yet it is. Right. You know? Um, and then we get to RoboCop 2, and they decided we shouldn't do any of that anymore. And RoboCop 2 wasn't a terrible sequel by any measure, but the yeah. only problem was the bar was set way too high by the first installment. So, so yeah, I mean... The first one compared to the second one, because the first one sort was was original material. The second one, they were basically trying to, in my opinion, create the the uh, cyborg wars. Yeah. <laughs> because they um, the villain that they introduce, they introduce him sort of not in the beginning of the movie. Like you know who he is in the beginning of the movie, but they introduce his villain, his ultra villain form because he, he had two forms. Yeah. He had the first form. In the second form. Yes, a very un- <laughs> unfortunate encounter with RoboCop left him very comatose. So they introduced him in his second form as a cyborg himself, and he also was supposed to be the replacement for RoboCop. And I think they even call it RoboCop 2, don't they? I think so, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, mm-hmm. what they were doing to make him more controllable, because they knew they couldn't control RoboCop anymore to a degree... They made they they um, wanted to find someone who they thought was more controllable, and they chose him because they chose this guy because he was a drug dealer and he he was he 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 took he partook in his own supply basically. Yeah, so he was addicted to his own drugs, and they thought they could control him that way. Yeah, before you know, seeing RoboCop at the final event enraged him so much that. <laughs> Which was weird because for even for RoboCop two, he looked like a somewhat more miniature version of Ed two hundred nine. He was, essentially. That's yeah. what it was. So, really, RoboCop could have just ran up the stairs and the fight could have been over, essentially. And again, they used those annoying yeah. click-clack sounds for it for him as well. So Yeah, I know. Like, it was the, <laughs> that thump, that robotic yeah. thump every time he takes a step. Yeah. It, they, but, um, they, they didn't even give Lewis that much of a part in the movie. No, not really. Their, but she was there. I mean, yeah, their partnership was heavily downplayed, though. Yeah, it was more. It was more RoboCop, and he had he had upgrades. He had now this like flying board mm-hmm. attachment now. 
Um, he could fly. <laughs> oh, no, that was the third one. He could was fly. that the third one? Yeah, oh, the third, third one. one. The third one goes completely off the damn rails. <laughs> the So, in the second one, it should be noted, the second one, and you might correct me on this if I'm wrong, uh, the story was by Frank Miller. So, that, you know, that name sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. As it should. No, that's right. Yeah, our comic book writer friend, Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, which I believe he also did RoboCop 3. Okay. So, the thing is, he's always credited as, like, a co-writer on these because his original draft was apparently so batshit that they said they couldn't film it. So, they had to have somebody come in and punch it up. Okay. So, he gets a story by credit, essentially. Frank Miller took the, his original idea and turned it into a RoboCop comic, which also was not very well received. Okay. From what I remember. Um, yeah, it turns into a, uh, you know, very much, not everybody's going to have hits, you know? Right. Exactly. Uh, not all the time. Exactly. Because I, I will love Frank Miller forever <laughs> just because of the the amazing stuff he has done. You know, Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One, Sin City, that <laughs> stuff. Um, so, so, yeah, it, you know. So also in this movie, apparently, um, in RoboCop 2, um, RoboCop actually got new directives. Um, he got, looks like... Oh my goodness, 15 new directives? I may be overestimating directives, but yes. they were a long list of directives. Yeah, because once he gets dismantled, he gets, well, he gets killed, kind of, yeah. partway through the movie and rebuilt, and they program him with very public-friendly directives that make him completely ineffective at his job. Right, basically. Yeah, they were trying to, they were basically trying to... Um, at one point, he tries to lecture a corpse. Yeah. Yeah, like it completely just nerfs RoboCop. Completely. I think they were doing that intentionally, though, so they could replace him with Kane with the Kane bot. Yeah, it seemed like very clearly like they wanted to go like Directive Two Forty Six: Don't rush traffic lights, <laughs> restrain hostile feelings, promote positive attitudes, suppress aggressiveness, promote pro-social values, avoid destructive behavior, be accessible, participate in group activities. Now, granted, some of these would actually make for a really fine police officer. But whenever kids, and quite literally, there's a scene where kids are trying to beat him with baseball bats. Yes. Because at this and, point, even the kids are bad. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he just looks at one of the kids who tells him to go fuck a refrigerator. <laughs> yes, exactly. And says, bad language makes for bad feelings. <laughs> I remember that specifically. <laughs> yeah. So, clearly, the directives go a little too far. Like, you know, needs to have some nuance to it, I guess. Um, to where it just makes him ineffective at his job. To where Lewis uses him as a human shield at one point. She does, yes. Or, or, sorry, like a, a, basically a big walking titanium shield so that way she can take cover behind him and shoot at somebody who's shooting at them because Robo won't pull his gun. Directive 250. Don't walk across a ballroom floor swinging your arms. What? <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, the funny thing is, that all flashes on screen, so you know somebody screen capped that. I know. <laughs> oh, there you go. 256, discourage harsh language. <laughs> Encourage awareness. Commend sincere efforts. Talk things out. Avoid Orion meetings. 
smile, keep an open mind, which Orion was the production company. So he would have made a good um, police coach for after-school kids to, to get them in shape? Actually, he would have made a really good police trainer. Look at 273. Avoid stereotyping. Oh, uh, true. Seriously. True. Put that guy in front of the class. So I think the thing that we're missing about um, RoboCop 2 was it wasn't necessarily about RoboCop catching the big villain, though that would that's what it was about. Hmm. It was more, I think, trying to get back to his the son, his wife and his son. Because in there, there's a kid that reminds him of his son, which I always was confused because I thought maybe that was his son. I did too for a little bit, um, yeah. But I think it was just getting back to the story of Murphy. Because he really, like, if you if you watch RoboCop 1, his son was the biggest part of his life. Yeah, So and the kid in this movie was actually the big drug kingpin yeah. that Kane betrays yes. to take over the Empire. Yes. And that's actually about the only scene that has any emotion to it is whenever RoboCop finds the kid dying yes. and just holds his hand because he knows he can't save him. Right. So he just keeps him company while he shuffles on. So um, I think that was what a lot of things you would you would miss if you weren't paying attention to RoboCop. It wasn't just about Kane, though. It was about Kane. It was also about his mm-hmm. son. It was sort of a flashback to his, his, yeah. his, his well, son. Even the first part of the movie is him stalking his wife, and she she wonders, like, is it him, to the point where she schedules a meeting with him, and he right. has his helmet off, and he has to lie to her and tell her, yes, your husband is dead, this face that I have was done so they could honor him. Right. Even though they clearly kept the bullet hole part of the face. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you gotta do something to keep it real, right? I guess, man. That's a little too real, though. (laughs) Like, yeah, so he has to basically tell his wife, your husband's gone. I'm not him. I am just a machine. Right. And then has to apologize because somehow a robot stalker is less weird than if it's your dead husband. Come back, you know, I, I don't know. That, that that plot point gets dropped really fast. You never see his wife again. Right, you don't. After that, it's unlike in the re, re, remake, but whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel bad for the lady who played his wife in the remake because the only thing she got to do was just be like, was just kind of nag, and that's it. Like, yeah. they, they didn't really explore a whole lot of what that relationship could have been like. Like, you know, the ramifications of having a robotic hut. Like, none of that got looked at. The only thing she was there to do is be like, you need to spend time with your son. Michael Keaton's a dick. Yeah. And they they could have done so much more with that. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, really... RoboCop 2 did not have a whole lot of the imagery and allegory, satire, none of that that its predecessor had. No, it didn't. It was basically, a bu- it was. It got to the business. Besides, like I said, I mentioned the, the, the kid, the drug dealer, uh, one of the drug dealers that got killed by Kane. It was basically, um, you know, boom, boom, boom. Hmm. We're, we're trying to screw up RoboCop so that this new um, cyborg we have will take over. Yeah. You get to learn... That this drug that this guy was peddling is a freaking massive mind-controlled substance. Um, and when they used it on him, it made it made him go even crazier. Um, because apparently when he got super doses of it, he became like ultimate cyborg. Yeah. T-209 or whatever. 
Yeah, which RoboCop <laughs> at the end uh, rides him like a mechanical bull and rips <laughs> Kane's brain scene. out through the back, like, hatch right. of the robot and smashes it on the ground. Right. And that that's the whole fight. That's, that's like, the movie. That's I mean, the, that's it. <laughs> yeah. It was so much when I bought the RoboCop trilogy on Blu-ray, like part of me is like, I'll keep RoboCop too, but if I ask the guy at the front counter if I can throw away three and get like a dollar off, like that would be <laughs> preferable. Like you guys can keep this disc. Three was a comedy, to be honest. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be. Like that's was. the Oh yeah, like he gets, like you said, the hoverboard, he gets a jet pack. Um, OCP is trying to initiate a hostile takeover of Detroit. Yes. But they've been bought out by a, a Japanese company. Yes. Who, for some reason, makes samurai, or sorry, not even samurai, weird, horribly stereotyped Asian robots with samurai swords yes. to take on Robo at one point. Yes. In the weirdest game of, is this racist? But ironically... At near the end of uh, RoboCop like two, they were actually introduced. Uh, oh, they were. The CEO of the company was was actually in one of the briefings, ah. and they carried over to uh, RoboCop three. But yeah, at least there's some continuity between them. Because but yeah, RoboCop three was um, pretty entertaining. Yeah, Peter Weller didn't even sign on for RoboCop three. <laughs> yeah. Like he was like, no, this is done. Like he was mad at RoboCop two because they downplayed the Lewis Murphy right. um, partnership. And then even at that, they did Lewis dirty in three by killing her off in the first, yes. like, the first act, really. Yes. Um, she gets nothing to do except for they basically walk outside where the resistance is holed up to, I guess, negotiate. But as soon as she steps outside, they gun her down. She yeah. doesn't even, yeah. You know, basically it was like watching um, Terminator. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that was my correlation there, Terminator. It really was, except Terminator, at least. At least T1 and T2 were smart. Right. You know, smart anti-nuke flicks. There you go. Um, You you know, like it. Whereas RoboCop 3 was just nothing but pure popcorn. Let's watch him blow stuff up and shoot stuff. I think think they did. um, Because I know um, when I was growing up, when RoboCop 1 came out in the toy industry, it was a pretty big deal. Like, kids wanted RoboCop oh, yeah. as a toy. But when 2 and 3 came out, the 3 was actually more popular in the toy scene than 2 was. Oh, yeah. Uh, because you had the little flying board. The kids were like, oh, he got a flying board. I'm on my flying board, my RoboCop. Well, that was like the thing. Too. Like, yeah, the yeah. accessories you could put with a figure with that. So, I think as far as toy, market, toy marketing, it was a hit. Um, again, the game, I only remember playing one game. Yeah, they've made a few games off and on throughout the years, but really none of them have really caught on. Right. And it's not to say they couldn't do a good one. They could. Um, but, yeah, I mean, three was, that was clearly the end of things. The, right. The series came after. It did. The series did there, there were three different series and an animated cartoon. Yes, I never watched the animated cartoon. Though. Actually, I remember seeing at least a few episodes of that, and it wasn't half bad Okay, from what I remember. But that's also me looking back of when I was a kid with the nostalgia glasses on. Um, so it might not hold up today. A cartoon with RoboCop, you definitely know that it's not going to be anything like the movie because if you're playing this on Saturday morning... You're only worried about selling toys. You definitely ain't worried about uh, getting the realism of what the series had. 
Oh, wow. Series came... Well, the first series came out in 94. Yeah. And it only got a 43% Rotten Tomatoes rating. It got a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Dang. That tells you something. Yeah, no, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. But ironically, I did see that series, and I thought it was decent. Um, it still kept to the same ethos. Mm-hmm. Um but it wasn't until like the second and third one where they started changing stuff. So yeah, they added in a different RoboCop, and I can't remember his name. Um, Richard Eden. There you go. And he he the only reason why he was a successful RoboCop was because he had the same sense of justice that Murphy had. Mm-hmm. And Murphy even makes a few appearances. Yes. In those. Yes. And those series held up better than the original did. But. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. They had him. I'm trying to. Trying to see if there's another familiar. They had a they had a lot of television actors that that played in that. Oh, Roddy Piper was in that. Holy crap! Yeah. Nice. So that's yeah. That's it's too bad he didn't get to say I came here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. There you go. <laughs> and I'm all out of gum. <laughs> oh man. Oh goodness, yep. Yeah. yeah, there. Yeah, there was some Cliff DeYoung. He's playing some shows back in the day. Yeah. So yeah, I mean there are a lot of. Famous TV stars, um, regular TV stars on there, but yeah. I say about the only person I think we're missing out of that's Mark Shepard. He's been in every other nerd thing. Like, just let this. No, he saw RoboCop. He's like, no, stay away, stay away. <laughs> well, they're. I mean, they're supposed to be doing another movie, so we'll get into that later, though, because I'm actually kind of excited about it. Which movie? Uh, it's. We'll we'll get to that here soon. Oh, okay. Because right now. Since we've kind of glossed over three, because that's all anybody who ever saw it. Three did. was not. I'm a, you had cybernetic um, ninjas and samurais. Well, you had real ninjas. Cybernetic, but it was cybernetic samurai. ninjas who had a permanent constipation. Pace. There you go. And well, I swear, just look it up sometime because they always they're like. Right. Yeah, they're always like gritting their teeth for some reason. Like, it doesn't make sense. And was, you guess you can call it gunmetal because you got RoboCop shooting them with guns and hitting them with a spike. And um, you got them slicing and dicing at him, so, you know, gunmetal. Yeah, so <laughs> anti-tank rifles can't stop him. Swords. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, yeah, at the, yeah, at that point, why not, right? Hey, there you, go. you have Frank Miller's comic run that didn't work out. You have the series, the animated series that, from what I remember, wasn't bad. Um, then the series just kind of, franchise just dies for a little while until... 2014, whenever they hire Joel Kinnaman to be RoboCop. And it's not to say this movie doesn't have a good cast, it does. Joel Kinnaman, he's alright, I like him. Comes off a little subdued sometimes for my taste, but everybody's got their own process, and it actually works really well for him in other roles. Um, I do feel bad for him as Rick Flagg, though, because he was meant to speak purely in exposition. <laughs> Brilliant exposition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this movie had what? Let's see. He was just showed me. Was in, um, I'm sorry, we go back. Oh, to, but he was also in um, Suicide Squad, wasn't he? Yeah, that Rick Flag. Yeah, Rick yeah. Flag. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was all Rick Flag in Suicide Squad. Yeah. Who, like yeah. I said, was only meant to say things that were purely exposition. Yeah. Because why not? Um, let's see that movie. This movie had everybody though. It did. Which makes you wonder, how the hell did this happen? Script, man. Joel Kinnaman. Abby Cornish is a great actress. And like I said, she got screwed because all she could do was nag. 
they did not write the wife at all. Not well. Uh, Michael Keaton, fantastic bad guy. He was Raymond Sellers, the CEO of OCP. Ironically, he played the same character in this remake as he did in Spider-Man. Yeah, pretty much. As a vulture. So... I'm sorry. I just... Oh no! I completely. We get into the cream of the crop of the cast now, though. <laughs> Gary Oldman. Yeah, Gary Oldman. Who is the robotics program lead? Like he makes artificial limbs for people that right. can fully function like regular limbs. Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson is your Bill O'Reilly type. Yes. Spin uh, doctor. He's yes. A spin doctor. Spin doctor. Clearly with an agenda. Has a yes. news program. And they cut him off right before he gets to say motherfucker just yeah. once. Yeah. You get one, no matter what, before you get an R rating. <laughs> Give it to this man. They even ruin that. <laughs> Jay Baruchel, you know, Hiccup from How to Train Your Dragon, is one of those seedy, like, marketing guys. Yeah. Which actually works really well for him. Um, let's see. Jackie Earl Haley. You know, Rorschach. I should yeah. say, your Rorschach gets to be the uh, guy who really, really freaking hates Robo. Don't know why either. And, and they never really established that other than the fact that he's calling him Tin Man. And I don't, yeah. Well, I can tell you why, because also in yeah. this version of Robocop, they went and made some changes, which I, early on before they made the movie, people were complaining about. So in the original RoboCop, his hands were all all reconstructed metal. Oh yes. And in this one, they left him with one one hand that was still his regular hand, like his flesh hand, which to me made no sense because if he got destroyed the way he was destroyed in this movie, he shouldn't have any parts that that lack no. yeah. that survived. So Michael K. Williams also gets shit on in this movie. <laughs> that man is a brilliant actor. If any of you have ever seen The Wire, he was Omar. Right? Yes. And I'll tell you what, name a great part that comes after that for him because he's had other parts. All of them, like, he's a great actor. Give this no, man more to do aside played, from getting shot in the first half hour. He played in um, an HBO series yes, as a gangster, which he was did. good. Yeah. Well, that was I the wire, know, right? I have to input huh? no. this. Another one. Great. So, you know, Scary Movie 2 with the guy with the tiny little hand, and that's a strong hand. Yeah. Now all I think about anytime that you guys were talking about like his hands is the guy with the small hands. Well, technically, <laughs> RoboCop's first outing, if the criminals were smart in this movie, would have just given him a stump to come back home with go. because yeah. I mean so he needs a strong hand. Omar Omar did play another gangster movie that was set in the thirties, I wanna say, called Boardwalk Empire. Oh, he was in Boardwalk Empire. Now he was a, it was very good. That was a very good portrayal. He He's he been in quite a few HBO series, actually, because whenever you see the work he did in The Wire, hire that man for everything. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Shit, I don't care. Like, just I don't care who he plays. He's just good. And on the show. He was even in The Purge, actually. Yeah, he was. Yeah, so, so, yeah. Once again, great character actor. He could do more than get shot as the first, what, 30 minutes and then show up again at the end to shoot Jackie Earl Haley. That's it. I just summed his whole part up. It's frustrating. Because that's his partner. It's Lewis. Right. Jack Lewis, not Anne. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you have a bunch of good talent in this movie. It's just the script. They play with a really good idea the first part when they have uh, a reporter following them around. Right. Showing them what their robot patrols look like in, is it Baghdad? 
It's in the Middle East. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's what they're alluding to. Yeah, it's definitely supposed to be a commentary on drone warfare, right? It's and drones. and the policing of these regions by right. you know certain interests, and that's all you ever see of it. After that part happens, disappears. They want to pass. They want to get some law passed that would allow them to put these same robotic patrolmen on the streets. Yes. So they figure the best way to do that is with a human robot hybrid and this was totally alluding to um the nra and i'm saying all jackson's character is totally um alluding to the nra director with the stuff that he was saying and the spins that he was making oh yeah so i mean if you want to connect to real life that's what that's technically who you supposed to be uh, they they tried to play with politics but their ideas never went further than just saying it once right and then it kind of turns into you know, they try to focus more on RoboCop himself, which really you should, and the kind of things they do with them because they it put these chips in his brain where they can artificially regulate his dopamine. They can basically make him into anything they want. Right. But they never show you any kind of inner conflict or override of that. Every time they happen to hit that switch, he just goes down. Right. So you don't get that same push and pull that you even had with the original movie of, like, that conflict of... Was that me that did that, or was that my programming? Right. You know, there's nothing like that. You clearly know who's in control at all points. Well, I think so. I think they were trying to explain <clears throat> it in the way science explains. Like in the first movie, you knew if he messed, if he tried to go against the directive, it would just shut him down. But mm-hmm. you know the mechanics behind it. I think in this in this newer movie remake, they wanted to show you the mechanics behind it. What what happens? when the shutdown protocol comes in play, what actually shuts down. Because like you said, they could make him, and they did make him less emotional, or they could raise the levels and make him more human. So, yeah. Right, which they could, like, but you always see it as they do it, particularly on the fly. Like, the only time that was ever in question when he didn't know what, when RoboCop didn't know what was going on was in that first training exercise. Mm Mm-hmm. Whenever he is just ripping them apart, you know, setting new course records kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Where he's just like, oh, this feels good. And you're like, yeah, but you see the guys in the control booth who just upped your levels to superhuman abilities. You know, like, it's your programming's what's doing this. That's the only time he's he's never sure of who he is. Isn't someone, uh, is, didn't they have, like, a military trainer <laughs> training him? Yeah. Yeah, and the guy was like, a machine would never be able to shoot better than a human. Cause that's all you are. Just you're just a machine. You're not human. Mm. And when they play with his dopamine levels, to make they realize once they made his dopamine levels even off, he became better at what he did instead of just making a complete robot. Right. And so that's when he started outpacing this guy, and then that guy literally became like his nemesis to a point. Yeah. Was, yeah. Okay. Because they their version of directive for those those red armbands. Yes. So a red asset, as they explained in the beginning of the movie, has never been lost. Right. And every time Murphy tries to raise his gun to one of them later on, he can't do it. Right. Well, until, you know, because it has to happen at one point. Um, but you, you don't have that same inner conflict with RoboCop in this. Like, it's very clear that they're just messing with him whenever they feel it's convenient. Um, and after he solves his own murder and gets the guy who killed him. Right. And is basically shot to pieces in the process. The company considers killing him so that way they have a martyr right. that can get their bill pushed through. Yes. 
So that's about the most corporate fuckery you have. Is they, they don't even own the senators in this one. They're just manipulating people. Well... They, they own Samuel they, Jackson's they own, character, pretty yeah. much. Like, he's... Yeah, he's... Uh, they were using Samuel's Jack, uh, Samuel Jackson's character as the... Yeah, they're using his political spin and bent yes. to help push their message through their to agenda. the public. Yeah. But they ha- it doesn't imply that they have a whole lot of sway over senators directly like, like the original incarnation of OCP would Correct. have. Yeah, the, the original incarnation was just, it, it was an extreme. Yeah. And this was more subtle. Yeah, it, it was definitely more subtle, but it was also to the point of like, the only time you really see their corporate overlordship in place is whenever they're messing with Murphy directly. And even at that... It's so much so to where he can't override his programming. Like the only time he actually manages to override is at the very end. Right. But even at that, if anybody would have been back in that control room and just raised his dopamine levels a little bit, he'd have been done. There you go. He's never able to resist their direct influence like he was in the original. Like it's not even it's not even an allegory for, you know, the person behind the drone or the person in the machine. It's just more of a, you know, this guy's got some chips in his brain that hopefully nobody turns on. Well, even even when um, he was, when they, they were trying to use him as their poster boy and he was speaking, they were like, he's too cold to yeah. adjust him. And they start messing up his levels until he was, but then they were like, okay, we do this, but then he becomes a little uncontrollable. Let's lower it back down again. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like, he never... He was a puppet. Yeah, he was very much a a puppet (laughs) to where... Oh, yeah. I got (laughs) no strings to hold me. Yeah. (laughs) That, uh... Yeah, it just... It's not filled with the same kind of conflict. Even the family angle, the family gets pushed over to the side right off the bat, too. Like, you never get that... How awkward is it to be married to a guy who's only a hand, a set of lungs, a brain, and a face? Right. He might have a spine and a heart, too. I can't remember. No. No, it's just, it's lungs. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, it was weird how they made him, like, why would you? Yeah. That's like, he should have just been blown to bits, man. I mean, he kind of was. They said he had burns on, like, 98% of his body and Mm -hmm. that he was missing a well, both his legs mm-hmm. and one arm, but clearly one hand became unscorched. I, yeah, I did like which was, I don't know how that happened, but but I did I did like the way that they used his wife um, in this newer version. Um, they used her because it was basically they were trying to show that he was still an all American hero. You know, he was all, still an all a hero. Yeah, and they used her as like the focal point. Even though he isn't, even though he's a cyborg, we're not telling you that he's a complete cyborg. We're telling you he's just a super cop in this, in essence, because he still has his wife. And his yeah. wife was like contractually contract. Blah. She was a, she was obligated in a in a sense to showcase that. To right. everybody, so there would be she ideas. she got turned into a propaganda. She piece. was she was which she was, was a clever marketing on the company's part. I just wish they could have written a little more for her to kind of show maybe more of the. I don't know, the conflict that comes from having that amount of control taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that kind of corporate fuckery being thrown into your marriage. Um, 
yeah, she opted to save his life, but she had no idea, you know, her Faustian bargain would be like that at first. Right. Um, yeah. Ouch. Like, it, it's not filled with the same kind of heart. There's not... The social satire is definitely not there. No. Um, I didn't see it. No. Uh, they could have done something really good about, you know, at least making it some kind of allegory, tying it in with drone warfare or the, you know, the control behind a killing machine, potentially. But they also didn't really do that. Um, and I didn't like the fact that this Robocop was all black. I like the gray and the black mixtures of the original Robocop. Oh, yeah. No, because he kind of looked like a bug. Yeah, exactly. Like he looked he looks like an exoskeleton on. <laughs> Which is funny because they show the original suit, and Michael Keaton goes, no, make it look more tactical. And yeah. that's when they come up with the, yes. the black suit. Yeah. See, and I, I consider this like the Spider-Man 3 of Robocop films because you had the black suit, and all of a sudden... It's Tobey Maguire disco dancing. Like, it's just not the same. Oh, with the Venom symbiote yeah. in Spider 3? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is the RoboCop symbiote suit version. Like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's just not good. It's the Noel suit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, oh goodness. How dare you, know? I, I cannot. But, I mean, the weird part is, is, like, the movie isn't bad by itself you know it's like it's not it's not good it's not the worst it very much is so in this one his weapon was different um, oh, i did not like the weapon but so he could cycle through in this weapon and choose what type of ammo he he used in this in, in hmm. this one the original one he just had a, a nice cannon so if i put if I were to put money on the two Murphys, I'll go with the original Murphy just out of pure badassery because he was a cowboy. Versus this kid who, sure, he had the latest tech as well, but I think um, having full control of yourself over <laughs> the, dopamine, the, the dopamine level thing oh, yeah. would, be, would, be would be not as good as... Well, I mean, the original, he was a blank slate that gradually remembered right what he was and this one he never got that blank slate he he knew who he was but they constantly controlled they constantly had to control him to also not even remind him he was a product like they just controlled him because they needed him to do whatever they needed him to do at the time right. and then they would just let it go and there was never any conflict back and forth it was like it was never he snapped out of him like what the hell did you guys do to me it was always just next scene there you go yeah yeah it was it was, it was more psychological stress on him versus, yeah it just they never took that time they essentially made him Kane yeah <laughs> basically basically they 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 they, they read that roll cops theme and made him Kane so, yeah, they definitely did that. Oh, I didn't and, think about that until then, but that's what they did. You're right. And the movie was definitely not a critical darling, for sure. Uh, box office didn't do so great either. No, it didn't. Because it was supposed to have a sequel, but then they they saw the returns, and they're like, well, maybe not. Cut to a few years later, though, and the guy who wrote the original RoboCop, Ed Neumeyer... 
Um, I can tell you in a second. Let me see if I can find it. Um, he announces that he has a RoboCop script idea. He's going to call RoboCop Returns, I think, is what it's supposed to be called. Well, I guess if you can make that many uh, versions of the Terminator, you can make try to make that many versions of RoboCop. Here's the thing, though. The script is supposed to take place after the first movie and ignore two and three. Yeah, so basically it's like what they did with the new Halloween, where Halloween, like, three through six never freaking happened. Right. Maybe, like, characters based on for that? Because that's that? No, I can't. Uh, <laughs> if he had anything to do with that reboot, aside from uh, characters created by credits. Um, Jesus, I gotta look that up now here. No, he definitely was one of three writers on it. Shit. Nope. Newmeyer? Yeah. Or are you talking about Zedmer? Newmeyer. Yeah, Newmeyer was in this one, yeah. Well, he wrote he wrote some of this one, yeah. Hmm. He also wrote Starship Troopers. <laughs> yeah. Ways. Maybe. No, he didn't write it. He was a producer on it. Never mind. Still, though. Yeah. So, yeah, January 2018, it was announced that Newmeyer was writing a direct sequel to the 87 classic that would ignore both sequels and the remake because, well, that's just a wise decision on that last part. Okay. Um, I know Peter Will is not reprising that role. Nope, it's, it's going to be a little hard. Um, <laughs> see. So it's... What he said is it's a continuation of the first movie, in my mind, so it's a little bit more of the old-school thing, which I, I can go for that. And it was supposed to be Neil Blomkamp directing. Really? Yeah, which I was really excited about. Yes, it's an extension you know, of the original. You can't have Coke now. Well, you still <laughs> it's can. It's not popular. It's, it's just not, not popular. as popular anymore. <laughs> um, and uh. Blomkamp is basically, well, he... He dropped out on June 29th of last year. I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> Which he said it was definitely going to be more like the proper Verhoeven type movie. Okay. So, you know, going back to the original director, trying to do his thing, which would have been great. Those um, don't do it like Terminator, like I mentioned before, the Terminator, because yeah. there are a ton of Terminator. Yeah, I'm going to leave that at that. Let's just say... The best Terminator I've seen in a long while was the last one. And even that was sort of blase. Yeah, and it was confirmed that RoboCop Returns will be using the original suit. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It needs so, to, because that one hand thing was not, that no, was not cool. I, I don't know why they did that. It's just not a good... Um, yeah, it just wasn't a good look. <laughs> or practical. I think that's my problem. It wasn't practical. Um, but yeah, like I was really excited because Blomkamp, I, he does sci-fi well. Yes. District 9, Chappie. I mean, Chappie was awesome. Elysium. Yes, Elysium was another one that was good. Huh. Like, I'm, I like sci-fi. Elysium so should have been technically the remake of, or the second version of, um, how it, District 9 turned out, in I my don't, opinion. I don't remember if he's still supposed to be doing that alien, um. 
reboot or not. It's supposed to follow <clears throat> directly after Alien 2, where mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver was going to be in it, and Hicks is still alive mm-hmm. and not, you know, killed off camera. Um, you know, so it you have that, like, and it looked amazing from the, like, concept art and stuff. I don't know if they canceled it or not. I hope not. Basically, all I'm saying, Neil Blomkamp, they wanted to let him do sci-fi, but I know he backed out as director, so... Which is a damn shame. Yeah, I'm just... I'm so over Alien movies. I'm oh. over Terminator movies. I'm over um, the Predator movies. It's just... that's if They played those all out now. Yeah. It's not like they couldn't do something more with Predator, but... Just... Dude, the only thing they can do more Predator is put it in the alien verse as far as showing the Predators um, using the aliens as bait, which they've done in in previous movies. In In the Terminator series by now, how many timelines are we on? Is it the same one being affected all the time? It can't be. So eventually we're going to have to have like a... Bioshock Infinite moment where we take them all back to where the timeline started and just kill it. So the only thing the last one had in common with um, the one in which um, Batman was in, what's his name? (laughs) Christian Bale. Christian Bale was in is the fact that Christian Bale was like part cyborg. Mm. That's the only thing that the last one, Dark Fates, had in common with that. So, I mean, everything else, the previous ones. Wasn't Genesis the one that had the... I'm not going to... Well, it's, it wasn't Christian Bale. I was going to call it the Bale bot for a second. But it was um, where John Connor was the yeah. hybrid. Yeah. Because Dark Fate was the one that had was, Linda Hamilton back. Yes. And John got... In the first few minutes. But it wasn't about John. It was about this other dude. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, every time Skynet was actually successful, they still have to go back in time and kill someone else. They should just... Clearly, time in that whole series is just immutable. You can't... That's what I'm sort of tired of, because I know we're off subject right now, but we're sorry not, because, I mean, it's Terminator. Robots. Cyborgs. But um, the issue with that is the previous one before that had one of the guys who played the doctor in it, who was actually the... Matt Smith, that's right. Who was actually the actual program, like the mother mother program. Mm -hmm. And... They didn't actually, he didn't technically die. He was just stuck inside the little cave, which makes, which gave me reference back to Doctor Who, because I'm like, well, Doctor Who does exist in the Terminator universe. <laughs> <laughs> the Time Lords exist. Yeah. <laughs> I, God. Yeah, no, so a lot of those series. <laughs> I'm sorry for taking you no, there. No, a lot of those series go off the rails if you give them long enough. Yeah. Um, as, as we throw out here, again, they get bayed, they get Schumachered, like whatever you want to call it, Abramsed. Uh, yes, the, the the lore gets, especially when you play with time travel enough like Terminator did, it gets muddy. Terminator Salvation would have been a good place to end. Yes. And then just rebooted the series completely instead of trying to fuck with it enough with alternate timelines and even at that a reboot was probably never going to work anyway yeah because the first couple movies were about you know political statements against nuclear proliferation and AI really 
freaking Skynet. But yeah, we, I think we're going too deep to, to Skynet now. We need to leave her alone. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, we'll swing it back around. Whereas a movie like RoboCop is explaining to you the really inherent problems you have with not keeping money, corporate money, in right. check to where the point where they can't, you know. And AI, too. I mean, they had a little um, yeah. conversation about AI not being what it would like if you could control it or if mm. you could control it, what it would look like to a degree. Yeah, so, and, you know. and also giving your, you know, you know, like, because essentially all the police in the original RoboCop give up some of their civil liberties, really, just by simply taking a job. Right. You know. At least the ability, they, they at least forfeit the ability to have a funeral, potentially, mm-hmm. because OCP is like, hey, no, we just want to take this real quick. That's his corpse. We're going to experiment with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, you don't really get a sense of how far OCP can go in the remake. No, you don't. No. They, they're just they, like, they're, they're like a, um, a government contractor. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all they are. They're, they're a government contractor. Yeah. Who's, you know, they're trying to essentially manipulate conflict where there is none in order to get bigger defense contracts. Exactly. Yeah. That's about as far as it goes. Yeah. Like, they had to get Murphy's wife's permission to do it, whereas OCP in the original was like, no, he's technically an employee for us, so, you know, he signed this waiver, we're good. Like, that body's ours, let's, let's go ahead and... I was just reading an IMDb um, comment section on the 2014 remake, and someone wrote in there, there was one good thing about that movie, and it was the part where Alex Murphy was just hands, heart, and what else was that? Uh, Head and a couple of lungs. There you go, head and a couple of hands. I mean, I'm sorry, that sums up the movie. That sort of sums up how much people didn't like that version. Yeah, I mean, because they, you know, he complained, like, if you read the rest of that review, he complains about some pretty logical things, like, let's not complain about security cameras on street corners, let's not complain about, you know, the people who come out and, you know, arrest you if you can't pay for things, you know, that stuff, like, let's just worry about evil corporations. Well, the reason why it works in RoboCop 1 is because we really didn't have that at that time, you know. Security cameras on street corners, the other stuff. Well, I guess, you know, the debtor stuff was there. But that was corporation controlled in that. They right. had the police. CCTV, yep. You imagine what it probably looked like if you didn't pay a freaking invoice you owed to OCP? I know. But, but, see, but it just highlights that point. It could have gone farther. Right. They could have always played with a bigger idea, but they never got it off the ground. So, yeah, I... You know, RoboCop, the original, I will say, is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, uh, it's, it's in my top. It's in my top ten. Yeah, it's in my top ten. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely up there. Like in terms of how smart it is. Yes, I still think the first Die Hard's a better action movie. Yeah, no, Die Hard. The original was good. I mean, that was a good movie. Still, my favorite Christmas movie. Yeah. And yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna. There's no debate on that one for anybody listening. Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Accept it. We've moved on. 
I see some disagreement fomenting in this room, and I will hear none of it. Hey, I'm not saying a word, man. Oh, I know. You're good. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's a... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, RoboCop is definitely, like I said, it's in my top ten. It's, it's there next to Terminator, the original. Um, next to Firefly. Uh, I'm sorry, they didn't call it Firefly. They called it... Um, Hmm? Name Sur- Serenity? Serenity, yeah. yeah. So there was Serenity. Um, it's up there with, because um, I'm a super geek, Aliens. Yeah, Aliens um, was good, though. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's there. It's it's in there with The Thing, but The Thing is, like, last on that list. And it's, <laughs> it's there with um, Abyss. I'm, I'm an old schooler. I like those movies. Oh, see, yeah, I, I never got into The Abyss that much. Um, aliens live in the ocean. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and Ed Harris talks to Alien. Like, that's... It was a James Cameron movie, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Just like Aliens. Yep. Just like Terminator. Um, yeah. Not gonna throw out Avatar, because that's kind of weak sauce, really, as far as... No, they're still trying to make version two of it, right? Yeah, it's delayed till 2021 now. I, that's like the weakest movie in his filmography. Yeah. As far, well, True Lies, maybe. Okay, yeah. Take that back. True Lies might have it. Even though it was kind of fun. Like, I, I still enjoyed it. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. And, um, and, um, uh, 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 I know what you're thinking. I, do you want me to say it? Like yes, Jamie please. Lee Curtis? Yes, Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis. Thank you, because I was short-circuiting there. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I love me some Jamie Lee Curtis back in the day. Uh, <clears throat> oh, Yeah. <laughs> In fact, that's one of the things. The new Halloween movie they did a few years mm-hmm. or a year or two back now, um, awesome because it ignored the sequels. Yes, and yeah, and Jamie Lee Curtis was not a victim right. in that movie. She was like, "No, I've been waiting for this. Don't yep. don't worry, because this house it's time to see you back home, but big yeah. brother, <laughs> this house ain't gonna be here tomorrow. But you're gonna be underneath it. There you go. Yeah, like <laughs> she's yeah." I know they're going to be doing a sequel to that, so hopefully they... As long as they don't kill Jamie Lee Curtis, I'm fine. She did way too much in this last one to go down without anything short of, you know, an epic, like, fist fight to the death, essentially, like, which she would win anyway. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, I guess we're off-topic enough. I mean, is there anything really more to say about old Robo? Not really, I mean, no. There's not really much else. I mean, it's... I mean, I'm glad we're getting more from the original screenwriter. Even though he had a hand in the remake, I'm not thrilled by that. But, at the same time, it was he was one of three, so God knows how much of his stuff actually got used. Well, I'm pretty sure it's, it's harder as times change, and you have to find things to meet that, you know, meet the language of that script that you're trying to explain about society. Because, I mean, the original one was totally in that, the, the messages in that original one were totally with the times. Yeah. And the message on the remake was centered on the times. I mean, drone warfare. Well, um, it was for the about 15 minutes. Yeah. And then they dumped that off. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, yeah, you could do it easily. Yeah. You know, the un, unmanned... Warfare is still very much an issue. Um, it is. 
you know, um, even having that kind of, I mean, even the proliferation of technology and like drones being used for everyday delivery and stuff. Like, you, there's a lot you can play with. I'm not saying make RoboCop a UPS driver by any means, but it, there's a lot you can play with <laughs> within that universe. Robo drones. <laughs> especially since anti corporate sentiment is still a thing. Yes. Uh, you know, having that kind of. Uh, having a, really an issue of that caused by government inaction. I mean, actually, didn't Rand Paul do a huge filibuster just to get somebody to say that they would not use drones on U.S. soil? Yeah. In a war capacity? Worth kicking up a fuss about. It's one of the few times I've ever been like, good for you, buddy. But, uh, you know, they, they could easily do that. There could, you know, that's like a side plot as to... You know, is RoboCop good or bad right. in the long run for the way we want things to go? Right. Is one man giving up his personhood, you know, so worth the... Speaking on this RoboCop thing, there's one show that got canceled on NBC um, that dealt with not necessarily cyborgs, but to make it sense, they dealt with um, androids um, that were... So basically, in the future of this, and it was said in the future, there was a big wall that split um, part of the states from itself, and hmm. all the good wealthy people lived on one side of the track, and all the poor people lived on the other side of the of the wall. However, they used these android robots, similar to RoboCop, in the fact that they're robots, but they had AI and made them intelligent in order to help cops along. Cops could no longer do the heavy lifting, they're calling a robot. Yeah. So I, I can't think of the name of it right now, but that was that was one of the better shows I've seen that could be compared to the RoboCop movies that, you know, that you've seen. I mean, if anything, it could also speak to the dangers of the militarization of police. Yes. I mean, that's obviously a very, very good topic to hit on now. Yeah. If you can do it in a smart way. Right. You're just going to, you know, throw your two bits in the without having anything meaningful to say, maybe, you know, leave that on the cutting room floor. Right. But, yeah, there, there's a lot of different directions you can go with it. I think it could still definitely be a product of its time. And, honestly, the best thing you can hope for a movie that touches on subjects like this is that it uh, does not age well, is that it's very topical. You don't have to worry about it again. That is so true. Um, that would be the best-case scenario, but... You know, no, that is totally true. A lot, of, like I said, a lot of that, a lot of sh movies like this, they don't age well because of messages. So. Yeah, and luckily that hopefully it's in a good direction. Is because that message is we fixed it. You know, hopefully that would be the reason why it didn't age well. Um, <laughs> at least you would hope, but uh, otherwise, you know, if it doesn't work out then in what four years we can get another reboot and then another four years after that another reboot name that show was almost human oh, okay and I know it, had what our, talking about. it had one of our favorite actors in it um that's yeah. been the star trek the newer version yeah play bones oh yeah carl urban right yeah carl urban yeah and, and then yeah yeah which reminds me we're gonna have to do an episode about the boys oh it's coming back yeah is it september i think it is september yes Yes. Awesome show that was. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I'm gonna love to see that. I love I love seeing him finally playing darker characters because previously he was playing heroic characters. Mm-hmm. He's played um, good guy characters. Now to see him playing a guy that's he's basically playing a Deadpool type mm-hmm. character or either a Punisher type character now. Oh, he's definitely yeah more of a Punisher. Yeah, and uh, he also has some the of boys. the ultimate nerd cred ever uh, because he got Star Trek and Star Wars mm-hmm. under his belt. Even if he was only a stormtrooper in the Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, he he covered it. He he hit that. Uh, he hit the two nerd franchises. <laughs> Put him in that reboot of Battlestar Galactica. We're doing. Damn it, we'll have everything. Oh, there you go. There you go. But I guess should we name a magnificent uh, bastard? bastard? Hey, Welling's got it for me. Oh, yeah, I mean, Peter Weller, Peter, definitely. Peter Weller. Um, Who also was the only good part. Well, I shouldn't say the only good part, but he was arguably the villain they should have went with in Into Darkness, the Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. Instead of Khan. I mean, technically he was. Khan was just there just to use the iconic Khan. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, that's all he was really there for. I mean, come on. This dude had blood properties that could bring you back from the death of radiation poisoning. Come on. Right. What is that? Is he like like mini Jesus that's going evil? <laughs> yes. Essentially. <laughs> I can never die. I'm immortal. My blood can revive self. <laughs> An Indian dude played by a pasty British man. Yes. <laughs> but Abrams! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, that's the, there we go. Uh, yeah, so no, Peter Weller, I got to say, the dude's had an amazing career anyway. Definitely. He's got, well, he's got Star Trek under his belt, so he's Definitely. got nerd properties. He's got RoboCop. He was Buckaroo Banzai, damn it. Oh, dang, yeah. Yeah, which still one of the weirdest movies that I can remember. <laughs> like, it's it's incredible. Pure, I've mentioned it a couple times on this podcast. If, if you guys haven't watched it yet, damn it, go find it. Um, trying to think of what else. Sons of Anarchy. Yes. He's actually a pretty good side character in that. Directed a few episodes, too. Silent Adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, Longmire. He was in Longmire. Oh. Fitting. Very fitting for him. Yeah. Star Trek Enterprise. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, Actually, no, he was. He was the time dude. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was the guy who was in. Yeah, he was a. Yeah. That's who he played, I believe. How about that? Yeah, Temporal Cold War guy. Yep. <clears throat> so, yeah, long storied career, but also gave us a character with his embodiment. Uh, that has withstood the test of time for 33 years. Yeah, that movie's been out that long, I believe. You're right. Yeah, it is older than me. Well, almost. Older than me, though. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Uh, actually, I was born in 87, so we're the same age. I'll, I'll take it. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Has a very enduring legacy, even if they don't always hit the nail on the head with it, as we've seen countless times in countless other franchises. Right. Whether it was Star Trek or the missteps of the sequel trilogy of Star Wars or 
the missteps of Batman Forever and Batman and Robin or I just want my Batman Beyond movie and I'll be happy. Oh, that'd be great. But yeah, you know, every every series hits those hiccups. Hopefully it can get back on track with also having something interesting to say about the times we live in, as lots of good entertainment actually seeks to do. Um, but as always, uh, like and subscribe, uh, you know, it or follow whatever it is, rate us. Uh, we are on iTunes, Spotify, and uh, Podbean. Spotify's new. Um, but, yeah. Anything? Just remember, dead or alive, you're coming with me. <laughs> you're dead. We killed you. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, your move, creep. That's, yeah. So many good ones. Um, yeah, as always, uh, Cody and with me. Ray BG. And uh, thanks for having a listen, guys. Uh, definitely, if you haven't seen this movie, at least go out and catch the original. I uh, definitely will not be disappointed. <laughs>